rest is on offer. You know, uh, we call Sunday the day of rest, isn't it? Um, but rest is on offer to every single one of us. Um, but it was on offer to everyone in the desert. Do you remember this? Um, in the desert, um, in that hard place, you know, under all of the rigors of being in the wilderness, rest was on offer because the gospel was preached. That's where we find our rest, in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus is proclaimed. And as he's proclaimed, we look to him and find rest. The problem in the desert was that they didn't want to listen. Isn't it? They, they hardened their hearts. Their hearts were like stone and uh, repelled all of that preaching that was done in the desert. The gospel was preached, but they didn't know rest. They didn't believe and therefore were lost. And we come out of that um, into this, listen to the word about Christ, because he is the great high priest. He is one who sympathizes with you. That's the end of chapter 4. Think about that. As Jesus looks upon you this morning, he sympathizes with you. Some of the things that were shared just now in it, like, oh man, they pierce your heart a bit, don't they? Of like, oh man. Yeah, and that's that, that's that sort of like feeling, isn't it, of, oh, I'm touched by what I hear. Think about this. Jesus is touched as he is looking at you. He knows your struggles. He knows your hardships. He knows how you're feeling this morning. He knows if you want to be here or not. He knows all of that, and he's moved towards you. He sympathizes with us in our weakness, and he wants to help. That's the end of chapter 4, isn't it? That you might go boldly, confident to Him. That you might find help in your time of need. You need help this morning. And here we have one who is put up before us in the gospel, in the preaching. It's about Him and Him able to give us help and mercy and grace this morning. Isn't that amazing? That, that's where we've come so far. And you're sitting there thinking, yeah, that sounds great, but uh, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, or I don't think that he kind of, you must have in mind um, one of the other people in church, you know, because, because they're, they're kind of great, uh, they're good Christians, they're a great Christian, and uh, you don't know um, what's going on in my heart and in my life. You don't know how I've messed up time and time and time again. You don't know how, how in the confession every week, I'm like in my own head confessing the same sins over and over and over again. You must be speaking about someone else. Maybe Jesus is all that for somebody else. Well, now what he wants to do now in chapter 5 is to tell you, no, he is for you. He is for you. If you watch the question time uh, number two on the ephod, uh, that uh, faith, the faith question that was, then you would remember this, that there was a character who was put in the center of life in all of the Old Testament. In all of the church's life, there was this one guy who was put right in the center. And he was available for everybody and anybody. And he was the high priest. So if you want to look in the comments of that, of that question time, you'll see some pictures of the kids dressed up in their superhero suits, um, and there's a little video in it of me in my Jedi uh, suit. Uh, but this is the guy. He's dressed in the Christ outfit. He is walking around uh, the Old Testament church, and he, he is put there bang in the center because a priest, what does a priest do? We're told here, look in chapter 5, verse 1, 
Every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. There was this man dressed in the Christ outfit. And as you uh, were going along in your day and you, were, you're, you mess it up and the guilt comes and the conviction comes and you're like, what do I do? How can I have help? How can I be forgiven? How can I know that Jesus is for me? You would go to this guy. You would take a gift, an offering, or you take a sacrifice and you would take it to this guy. And this guy was there for you. This guy was there to offer up, to take that sacrifice and to say, look, this is what we need. We need to do a burnt offering, all right, because, because of your sin. This is what it's like, that your sin is really bad, really bad. It demands the death of this innocent lamb, this perfect lamb. Put your hand on this lamb and confess your sin, because there is one who will take your place. And here he is, uh, going to take a knife and slit the throat of this lamb, and that lamb will die on your behalf. And then what we're going to do is uh, we're going we're to remember that this sacrifice will be a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Yeah, and it will all be burnt up. Don't leave me now and go about your day without knowing this, that all your sin is paid for. There was a guy like that in the church. How cool is that? Yeah, he's dressed up in the Christ outfit. And it's like every need that you have, you go to him and he's able to tell you exactly what is wrong and how you can fix it. You see, that is what the priest did. That's what he did. Because you can't just walk into God's presence. You can't just waltz up to the Father in heaven and go, Yo, bro, how's it going? You can't do that. Job put it really well, didn't he? In Job chapter 9, he's like, oh, if only there was one. A mediator, that's the one, that's the one I need. If only there was one to lay his hand on both me and God. That's what the priest is, he's there. Oh, if only there was someone to go between me and God. And it's like, oh, there he is in the Christ outfit. He's got one hand on me as I stand there because he's a man. Exodus 28 verse 1, take Aaron, your brother, from among the Israelites and he will be my priest. So here he is, he's got one hand on me, and then he's got one hand on God because he's dressed up in the Christ outfit. Yeah, he offers those gifts and sacrifices. So, so when you're thinking about, about Jesus, is he for me? Is he against me? As you sit there and you look inwards and you doubt the love of the, of the Father in heaven and of Jesus, the one who can help you, look at this high priest in the center of their life together. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing. The other thing that the priest would do is that uh, he was appointed by God. So these are the two things here. Two things. Is that he's from among men. Aaron, take your brother Aaron. Nice. And he is appointed by God. No one kind of comes in and goes, look, I am the answer for all of your worries to do with God. I can sort it out. It's like, no, beware of people like that. Uh, He is appointed by God. God says, go and get Aaron from among you, and he will be my priest. He has to be chosen by God, right, isn't it? If he's going to stand in this breach that that exists because of our sin, if he's going to stand there in that breach, he's got to be able to put one hand on us and one hand on on the Father, isn't it? He's got to be able to do that. Do you remember there's an incident in the Bible where a group of people try to do that? It's a group of people who tried to assume that position. 
Korah was his name. In Numbers, do you remember what happened? Oh man, it was clearly shown that Aaron was his priest, was the one appointed by God. Do you remember the staff? The staff that's in the Ark of the Covenant? The staff there has got almonds on it. How cool! Because this staff was cut off the tree and then it budded and flowered and went further than that, produced fruit. It's in the Ark of the Covenant, a reminder there. And here Korah stands saying, no, why, why is it just you? We can do this job. The ground opens up and swallows them all. What? The fierce anger of God is vent from heaven against that sort of chat. No, the priest is appointed by God. Well, wouldn't it have been great to live in Old Testament times? That's what you're thinking. And it would have been brilliant to have a priest that was, we come in and he's in the center of the room and he's going, look, uh, I, can, I can talk to the Father on your behalf. Wouldn't it be great if we could see him, if we could touch him, if we could look into his face? Hebrews 5 will go on and tell us, Jesus is every bit that. But more, but more. Aaron is called the high priest. Hebrews calls him the great high priest. The high priest Aaron was only a signpost. Only a signpost. Jesus is the destination. He is the real deal. And so the next part of the chapter is saying, look, Jesus, he too was appointed by God. It's funny because there's a different way around here. It talks about Aaron, first of all, as being a man and then appointed by God. But when talking about Jesus, he's like, no, let's talk about him being appointed by God and then made a man. And that's striking because that's the order in which it happened with Jesus. Yeah, he was a priest first. You're thinking, no, surely that's not right. Look at these verses he says here. So Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest. Jesus didn't assume it. No, what happened then? God said to him, you are my son. Today I have become your father. That's cool, isn't it? We've seen that verse already, right? Haven't we in Hebrews? In chapter 1. This is what is proclaimed to Jesus from eternity past into eternity in the future. The words of the Father every single day, isn't it? Bubbling out in joy as if he's just looking at a newborn. That sort of joy. Today you've become my son. You are my son. This was proclaimed in eternity past. And we're down with that, right? He's always been the son of God. We're we're okay with that, aren't we? But do you know this one? He says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. What? Oh, what, a, what, do you, what do you do that for? That was like a bit of a grenade uh, bouncing around the place. No, this is, the, this is the deal. Melchizedek we'll deal with in chapter 7, so we won't go there right now. But just get this for now. Just like Jesus heard the words from the Father in eternity past, you are my son. No, as well as those words he heard in eternity past was, you are a priest forever. He is appointed by God. Jesus, when he comes and he stands before you and he beckons you to come to him to find rest, he comes appointed by God. When he says, come to me confidently and in me you will find all the help that you need, he is not setting himself up. He's been sent and appointed by God the Father. Isn't that amazing? He's appointed by God. Secondly, He is a man. He is a man. 
So look at that verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth. And it's almost like, you know, a, a, hang on a second. You're talking about God appointing his great high priest, Jesus. And then it's like, during his life on earth, you're like, what? Yeah, he had a life on earth. In the days of his flesh, the AV says, the King James Version says, in the life, what? He had life in the flesh? Yeah, he came as one of us. The idea that you look at Aaron is that you see in him one who looks like you, one who does life like you, who struggles like you, who has got red rings around his eyes because he's been crying like you. All that you can see in his face, the, the, the drawnness from sleepless nights like you. And now we get on to Jesus. Jesus didn't float through this life. Praise the Lord. During his life on earth, what did he do? He offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard. Oh, look at Jesus, the great high priest. Look in his face and see the redness around his eyes where he is crying out to the Father in all the difficulties. I mean, Gethsemane is where lots of people go with this part, you know, because he's like, rescue me, save me from death. But he did do 33 years with us. Just to think that he didn't cry and struggle for, for 32 and, and a half is a bit mental, isn't it? No, and this talks about his life on earth. In his life he prayed. In his life he cried. In his life he struggled. In his life he found it hard because he lived like one of us. He lived on this earth. He lived in a neighborhood. He lived in a family. He lived, and he did school and he did work. He did it all. He was made like one of us. So as we look at him, we think, we don't say, you haven't got a clue. He's not some angel, isn't it, from heaven who, who doesn't know what life is like. He's not someone among us who lives in an ivory tower, set above the trouble, shouting advice at us. No, he's in the muck, and he's more in the muck than we are. More in the muck. And it's this one that is given to you. Now, you might look at Jesus and say, um, he doesn't really know how I feel. Well, the Bible says that he was tempted in all ways, just like you are. Just like you are, yet was without sin. Often we like to talk to people who have gone through the things that we have gone through, don't we? And we might, might think that is really the, that's the best case scenario, isn't it? In, in AA, you have a sponsor. So you have someone who has gone through what you have, gone through drink addiction, gone through uh, the help, uh, gone through like the rehab, has come out the other end and is clean and has been clean for a long time. And that sponsor is given to you. When you struggle, they're on the end of a phone. You can phone them. You think that is the best case scenario. Well, probably on human level, maybe it is. I don't think it's always true. I have a minister friend who, who talks to addicts and he's never, even tr he's never got drunk. He's never smoked a cigarette. So I don't think it's actually entirely true on a human level, but it's definitely not true when you look at Jesus. Don't think because Jesus uh, never had sex with anyone that he doesn't know how to deal with it. The thing with Jesus is that he has been tempted and he resisted to the point of death and then puts his arm around you and says, I, I know what that, I, I know how you can get out of this. I know how you can approach this. I know how you can beat this. So we're standing in a queue, right? And someone jumps in front of us. 
and we lose it, don't we, a bit? Like, they're jumping in front, how dare they? Don't they understand we're British? And we love queuing, uh, and you, you start to lose it. Well, that is a level one temptation, right? And it, and it really, if you lose it in a big way there, isn't it? If you do fly off the handle and put a fist on someone at that point, we're kind of going, level one temptation, <laughs> miserable fail, uh, and also you need some help. Usually, it might be level three that we tap out. <laughs> level three, and I'm storming off. Uh, that's me. I did it last Saturday. Out the limit. I'm, I'm done, and I'm off. Level three, and we're out. Jesus was tempted to level 10. To level 10. It's that one who comes and says, now come to me. He is the one who has resisted and resisted and resisted to the point of death. Level three, even the most patient of us here, maybe level five, but he did a level 10. See, the devil, when we say the devil has been tempting me this week, it's not entirely true, is it? You're not, you're not actually saying the singular angelic creature called the devil pinpointed me this week uh, and set me apart from everyone else in the world and was tempting me. Now, that's not what we mean, is it? Because if he did that, Adam and Eve, one conversation, one conversation in Eden, and they were done. They were out. One conversation. Jesus, 33 years. Whoa. Now that's a bit of a difference, right? 33 years, toe-to-toe with the devil, with him who is the schemer, with him pulling out tricks left, right, and center, him picking his time opportunely at the weakest moment, 40 days without food. Smell that bread, bro. Smell it and go for it. Look after yourself. No. Jesus is the one you can go to in all of your temptations because he has withstood to level 10 and he did not fall. He puts his arm around you today. He says, I know the temptation. I know how it feels, but I can help you. And I can help you to say no to it. I can get you through it. So you see, having Aaron amongst us is no good. It's no good. And really we know that, right? Because it's like, you know, he's a bit of a magician, is Aaron, isn't he? When he takes all that jewelry and throws it in the fire and out pops the calf. Do you remember that? It's like he is a man just like us. But he's too much like us. He's got to offer, hang on, I'll deal with your sacrifice in a minute. I just got to offer some for myself first. It's no good. But Jesus, he is the great high priest. Look at his face. See the same cracks in his face line as are in yours. Go to him today. Go to him, this one who is between you and the Father. He's man, he's got one hand on us. He is God, he's got the other hand on him. And he reconciles us through his death on the cross. Praise Jesus, run to him and no comfort today, no help. He is able to sympathize with us in all of our weakness. So I pray, Lord Jesus.